as much of a critic as I am about the Olympic Games, I'd be really sad if the Olympic Games went away. And I am a critic of the Olympic Games. In my class, I, I, I criticize many aspects of it, but um, they probably should go away. Though again, if they haven't died yet, I don't know what's going to do it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the final part of my conversation with American historian Dr. Matt Andrews. The Games podcast, of course, focuses on the history of the modern games, but one of the beauties of podcasting is that it lends itself to become a platform for perspectives, a place where different views and ideas can be shared and discussed. In the off-season of the Games podcast, as we wait for episodes covering the next Olympiad, we'll be able to get that diversity of thought through a few interviews. If you haven't heard part one or part two of this conversation, I encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes. As a reminder, Dr. Andrews is a professor at UNC Chapel Hill, and he teaches many courses on the ways history, culture, and sports all intersect. These courses include baseball and American history, race, basketball, and the American dream, and of course, the Olympic Games, a global history. He also has a wonderful and fascinating podcast on sports and American history called American Sport with Matt Andrews. I've linked his podcast website to this episode's show notes, and I really encourage you to check it out. A couple things to note before we jump into the interview. First, as with previous interviews, this interview has very minimal editing. I took out some ums and uhs here and there, but besides that, what you're going to hear is the same as if you heard the interview live. Second, this conversation took place a few weeks before the Tokyo 2020 Summer Games, so while we may talk about some concepts related to the Tokyo Games, we didn't know how those things would pan out once the game started. This is also why you won't hear us comment on any of the events or results from the Tokyo Games. What you will hear is our conversation on amateurism, the sports of the Olympics, and the seemingly invincible nature and longevity of the Games. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Matt Andrews. One of the things that the IOC tried to do early on in trying to make the games fair and to have sports for sports sake was the idea of amateurism, which you mentioned earlier. From one of the readings that um, I did in researching for my episode on amateurism, it kind of seemed like the amateur rules went back and forth. Some of them favored upper-class competitors. Some of them favored the working class. And it kind of went back and forth. So I have a couple questions about, about amateurism specifically for you. So first off, what was the reasoning behind the amateur rule? Was it to keep people, to keep some people out of it or to keep, you know, some people protected in sports? Or was it really just to keep sports pure, this idea of sports for sports sake? If you really love the sport that you're doing, you're going to want to do it without getting paid or any sort of benefits from it. You will run regardless of the outcomes. You'll just love to run this race, for example. Yeah, yeah uh, it's a great question. Um, and I, I, it's both at the same time. And, and, and I think it can be both. Um, the idea of amateurism, without a doubt, it comes from England. It comes from the upper class in, in England who truly believe that one competes in sports only 
for the thrill of the competition, right? Right. Only for the for for, for the moral lessons that it instills. Sports for sports' sake. Um, these same people, um, though, also seem to believe that the working class did not have the moral background to participate in sports. Um, so it, there was this intense class bias uh, behind the ideology of, of, of amateurism. Only, it, it wasn't just that a working class person, um, you know, it, if they make money, it turns sports into labor, which we can make the argument that when you make money, it, it turns sports into into labor. We're making the argument right now about that, about college athletes, that they're not athletes, that they're laborers, you know, and they deserve to be paid. So we make that argument all the time. Um, but without a doubt, the, the, the sort of impulse for amateurism, it, it, it does, it, I want to give them their due. They, they are, I, I believe them when they say they want sports to be pure, but I think where they get into trouble and where a lot of people pointing this out from the from the very get-go is when they just sort of felt that anyone beneath their station in life just wasn't a real athlete you know and you know this the um, british were upset with the americans because they had coaches no 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 an athlete doesn't have a coach when you have a coach that makes it a profession it spoils it and so yeah the ideology of amateurism comes from the idea that we need to keep sports pure, but their definition of purity, without a doubt, um, not just hampered the, the, the working class, it was targeted against what they saw as the quote unquote lower class. You know, these people can't possibly participate in sports um, because they just don't understand the ideology of fair play. Um, so it's, it, it really is both of those at the same time. It's an interesting debate. And as you said, it has moved to collegiate sports because the Olympic Games are, you know, professionals can't compete now. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how this affects collegiate sports in the future. Now that the Olympics has gone through this process, what does it look like now that it has moved to colleges? Well, and I think the Olympics are the example uh, or the answer to all those people um, like the athletic director at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, um, who for years has been saying, if you allow athletes to get paid, you know, name, image, and likeness, it will ruin college sports. Have the Olympics been ruined, as people said for a century? No, the Olympics are more popular than ever. Um, I, I believe that college sports will be even more popular if athletes can monetize their identities on Instagram or through TV commercials or, or, or whatever. Again, we're not talking about universities paying athletes, giving them cash money. I mean, they give them rewards in the form of scholarships. Right, and, right. and the Supreme Court just said, you can give them laptops too. I can't believe the Supreme Court had to weigh in on that, you know, to give someone a laptop, but, but they did. Yeah. I, I I think college sports will, if they go the Olympic model, they'll go the way of the Olympics, which is to become even more popular, if you can imagine such a thing in this country. I have a, just a few more questions. I know we're kind of running, running short on time. Sure. Um, but about the sports specifically. So um, from what I saw, it looked like wrestling was nearly excluded from the upcoming Tokyo Games. Um, it was added back. Um, 
So it's going to be at the Tokyo Games. Boxing um, was eliminated. But yeah, and the, and these seem to be staples of the Olympics. If you want to talk about going back to the ancient games, wrestling and boxing, I mean, these are sports that yeah. are really tied to the ancient games. So my question is, do you think that there are sports that if they were not included in the Olympic games, they would stop the Olympics from truly being the Olympics? And conversely, do you think there are sports that if they were included in the Olympics, would stop the Olympic Games from being the Olympics. For that would be an example of like esports. Esports, which very well could happen, right? Um, you know, it's, it, we're, we're seeing it happen here. I don't know the way the rest of the world thinks about esports, but I know the way Americans do. And you know, uh, if you want to find out how old someone is <laughs> without knowing what they look like, just ask them what their opinion on esports is. Guys like me were like, "What? That's not sports! Come on, that's the most ridiculous thing ever." And then, um, you know, 18, 19, and 20 year olds beg to differ. So uh, I, I think it's possible esports will be in the Olympics, just like what it's going to be uh, sort of, um, it's not even called rock climbing. What's it called? It's like wall climbing or. or uh, um, oh, sports climbing? I don't remember exactly, but it, yes. It's basically, yeah, competitive right. wall climbing and skateboarding. And no, I don't think it matters if those sports get added. That's that's the IOC trying to brand itself to younger people. I don't blame them at all. But guys like me, we just don't pay attention. Uh, we don't we don't watch those events. Um, to me, if there's one, you know, in boxing, like you pointed out, there, there was a form of boxing at, at the ancient games. And the reason why they were talking about getting rid of boxing in 2020 is that the guy who heads the International Boxing Federation is a he's a gangster. You know, he's, he's a global gangster and he's in charge. And they're just saying the whole system is corrupt. How can we uh, allow this sport to exist when I can't remember his name when that guy's in charge of it? But to me, the Olympics have always been and will continue to be about what in Europe they just call athletics right? Mm -hmm. Track field. To me, right. that is what the Olympics are. I have, we just don't care about track and field all that much in this country, but we really care about it every four years. And I love track and field. I love every event. Uh, I just watched the steeplechase the other day in the Olympic trials and oh my God, I loved it. I just love everything about that event. going to do a steeplechase lecture this, this <laughs> next time. It's a wacky event that comes from Ireland. Um, yeah, I, I think um, to me that, well, and look, that's the way the IOC thinks of it too. That has always been the centerpiece of the Olympic Games. Again, they just call it athletics in Europe. That gives you a sense of, 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 of the meaning of it. It is sports. You know, swimming has gotten big without a doubt. And that kind of takes over the first week of the Olympics. Gymnastics, women's gymnastics has gotten very, very big. And that competes. Um, if you got rid of track and field, I would be much less interested in watching the Olympic Games. But that's, I'm an old guy. Well, I'm not that old. I'm, I'm in the middle range. Um, you know, I know that our, our, our taste in sports change. Uh, I know that they differ from place to place. I, you remember Rio in 2016? No one went to track and field. It was, it was empty, the, the stadium. I mean, Football or soccer, those events weren't empty in Brazil, but the track and field stadium was. 
Compare that to London in 2012, where you just had 90,000 people screaming every second of the day at the track and field events because they love that form of athletics in, in, in Britain. But yeah, to me, that's the event, track and field. How about you? Okay, so you're much younger than me. I'd love <laughs> well, to hear I think so too. I think if you got rid of, if you got rid of athletics, I think it would be tough to say these are still the Olympic games. Um, I think you'd have to make a lot of changes to the branding because I think people would feel robbed to portray the Olympics as something without track and field. Um, I, as far as including sports, because I was discussing this uh, with some of my family and I was thinking of, you know, esports, and then they brought up chess. So Mm -hmm. these other, these other sports, if they were Olympic sports, would it still be the Olympic games? And yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't really know that much about esports. Personally, I might offend a lot of people, but I don't think it's a sport. I don't think it's, you know, an Olympic sport. Um, but it could show up in 2028. You know, it could show up, especially if the 2028 games go to Los Angeles, which they're set to right now. Yeah. They could totally show up um, with the American, um, the American push towards it. Yeah. And I think the games will survive it. Yes. I think um, it would be a situation where, you know, you have probably a specific age range just doesn't watch it or a specific age range does watch it um, and focuses mainly on that. Well, and that's the deciding factor. I guarantee you if they have esports in 2028, that most members of the IOC will roll their eyes and think this is the most ridiculous thing ever, but they will do it. And you know the answer. What's the, why will they do it? Money. Uh, because they think people will watch. Um, and that's how it works. Uh, you know, any sport that's going to get people to tune in, pay attention, see the commercials that, that, that go along with it, that sport, and I'm putting that in quotes, I know, you know those of you listening to the podcast, okay, that's the argument. Is chess a sport? Is backgammon a sport? Or esports sports? We can argue all day long about this, and I don't know what, what, what the answer is. But it'll be in the Olympics if the IOC thinks people will watch. Right. Right. It all comes down to the money. The answer to all your questions. <laughs> is yes. um, so two questions left. Do you think we will see an end to the Olympic Games? And if so, what will cause it? And if not, why? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's possible. Well, no. <laughs> My, my, once again, my knee-jerk reaction is, yes, of course we might see the end of the Olympic Games. Why wouldn't we? I mean, uh, what's about to happen in Tokyo? And, you know, what if people get sick? And some people will. And, and what's going on in China? And, and, and of course. But here's where the historian in me says, yeah, but they said that in 1904 when St. Louis failed badly. They said that, it, look, in 1936 in Berlin, leading to the, to the um, legitimization in the eyes of many of the Nazi regime, if that didn't kill the Olympics, then, then, then what's going to? Um, people said it, if Munich in 1972, 11 Israelis shot dead. If that didn't kill the Olympics, what's going to? And if the fact that Rio is still in staggering, staggering debt from hosting the Olympic Games and that didn't kill the Olympic Games, then what's going to? So I think there are a lot of good reasons for the Games to have um, to go away. But 
Well, once again, there's one very good reason for them to stay, <laughs> and that's the money that people either make or they seem to think they are going to make from, from the Olympic Games. Um, you know, it's, it's weird. In my, in my sports and American history class, um, I talk a lot about football, American football, college football. Um, I actually think college football should go away. I, I really do. Um, I, I don't think it belongs on a college campus. I would have no problem with college. I, I think colleges would be better places without, without football. Um, as much of a critic as I am about the Olympic Games, I'd be really sad if the Olympic Games went away. And I am a critic of the Olympic Games. In, in my class, I, I, I criticize many aspects of it, but um, I don't know. I'm putting the over under on the number of hours I'm going to watch at these upcoming games at about like 250. <laughs> I'm going to watch a lot. I just love it. Um, they probably should go away. Um, though, again, if they haven't died yet, I don't know what's going to do it. I mean, like you said, if they can survive two world wars, a global pandemic, economic depressions, terrorism. Yeah. I don't know what would be the Achilles heel unless it just gets to the point where countries say, yeah, we're not interested in hosting. Well, and, and, and that's happening. That is definitely happening. Um, and, you know, that's why they, they co-awarded both Paris and Los Angeles about six years ago. They were the only two places still bidding for 2024. And the IOC thought, we better lock them up now. Because if we ask four years from now, there may be crickets, you know. So they, uh, people in... Boston said no to the Olympics. People in Stockholm, in Krakow, uh, other places, voters have spoken and said, no, we don't want it. It's too expensive. Um, there is a pretty robust no Olympics movement in Los Angeles, though it's not robust, that robust. The, the Olympics will be there, I don't know, barring another pandemic or, 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 or something. But it is interesting, more and more democratic nations where the people have a say are saying no. That's why the Olympics more and more are, you know, that's why China's hosting the Winter Olympics again, because people in China can't say no, or it doesn't matter if they do. And so there is this, you know, kind of disturbing trend of the games going to undemocratic, undemocratic places where the citizens don't have a voice. Um, they can't be in China all the time. Um, <laughs> that's kind of the, the way it's going. Um, you know, Russia, China. Um, we'll see. It's, it's going to be interesting. Makes me think of, a, of another question because we talk about what the games have, uh, have overcome. But going back to the, the first games, the 1896 games, if those games were not a success, do you think that would have ended any chance of having the revived games? Because, I mean, we also know that 1900 and 1904, they weren't the best Olympic games right after, but the games made it to 1908. Yeah. And I think that's largely because of the success of 1896, you know, carrying it on. But if the 1896 games failed... Were those games, I guess my question is, bottom line, were those games really make or break for the revived games? 
Tough question to answer. And, you know, historians, we're not supposed to kind of do these sort of speculative, uh, but I, I do it all the time. I share your sentiment, uh, Louia. I, I, you know, those games um, were a success, um, particularly the the marathon, right? You know, when Spiridon Louis comes in and it, it's a it's a Greek and, and, and the king <laughs> gets on the track and runs with him on the last lap. And it becomes this great moment of Greek nationalism. Yeah, because Paris was so disappointing. I mean, most people didn't even know there was an Olympics going on in 1900 because 1904 was just an unmitigated disaster. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I think there were people who sensed like Coubertin that this could grow into what it has. But yeah, had they not have had the grand example of, of, of 1896, Sure, I think it's possible that that the Olympics would have gone away for a little while. Then someone else would have revived them because, as I know you know, Coubertin's Olympics were just one of many revivals. Um, what was it? Zappos in Greece had his games in the middle of the 19th century, and then there was uh, William Pennybrook with the with the Much Wenlock games, which which Coubertin visited and was inspired by. You know, so there are all these people who are beginning to realize that this idea of an international sports festival could work. Um, had Coubertin's failed in 1896, it probably just would have been someone else's that eventually would have become what we think of as the Olympic Games today. But 1896 set the stage and gave Coubertin's games staying power. They did. They really did. So... My last question is, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would like to discuss? I mean, I know there's, you know, the Olympic Games is a Pandora's box, Yeah. but if there's anything that, you know, what you wanted to, to touch well, on or say about the games. I tell you what, I am so, so interested in what's going to happen with Beijing 2022. I think this is going to be, we're, it's all on hold until Tokyo happens and then it's going to rev up. And it's going to be a huge deal in the United States. The United States State Department is defining what's going on in China as genocide. I mean, that's the word that they are using, genocide. Um, there are powerful political figures, um, Josh Hawley of Missouri, Rick Scott of Florida, who don't love the American media very much, who don't love American corporations. They find many of them to be hypocritical. Um, there are a lot of NBC and Nike and um, Airbnb, they all have human rights statements and yet they're sponsors of the Olympics that are going to go to a nation that the State Department says is engaging in genocide. There's gonna be a lot of opportunities for these politicians to illuminate the hypocrisy of the American media. Um, I think it's a fascinating question. What should the United States do? I, um, I don't think we're going to boycott. I, I don't think any politician wants to deprive Americans of the opportunity to compete in the games. Jimmy Carter did that in 1980. And most people in, in retrospect think that was a bad move, think it was a mistake. He only punished the athletes. But will the United States allow the American flag to be flown? You know, Britain didn't in 1980. They went to Moscow and they said no British flag. Like British athletes can be there, but our flag won't be there. Our anthem won't be there. We're not going to march in the parade of nations. The U.S. could do that. Would American athletes want to go if they didn't get to be 
American athletes, you know, and wear the American flag. I just think there are so many interesting questions coming up. As interesting as Tokyo is because of the pandemic, Beijing just a few months later is going to be just uh, so many. Things. Uh, I'm, I'm super in- interested to see what's going to happen there. It'll be fascinating. Yeah, the, the lead up to it. And if it, you know, the games themselves, it'll be fascinating to see it all. Yeah. Um, and boy, how old were you in 2008? I was uh, 13. Oh, so 13. you probably saw, saw the Beijing games. I did. They were spectacular. Uh, you know, give it up to China. They know yeah, how the to- opening ceremony. I remember watching the opening ceremony. It was that was, it's the greatest opening ceremony I've ever seen. So they know how to throw a show, put on a show and use the games for to, to, to portray the message that they want to portray, you know, a message about power and a message about Chinese culture and reasonableness. Um, but what's going on in China right now, um, it, it's, it's problematic. And so uh, we'll have to see what's going to happen. Time will tell. Well, Dr. Andrews, thank you so much for joining me. Um, if you could please just tell everyone where they could find you, if they wanted to follow you on social media, if you want to give that information, you don't have to. No, no, um, no I don't have to. Um, so I'm on Twitter um, at MTT Andrews. So it's like Matt Andrews, but without that first A. Uh, and my Twitter account is only about sports and politics. Um, and then uh, sorry, we didn't discuss any sort of competition clause here, Olivia. So I have a podcast <laughs> okay. as well. Uh, it's not as good as this one, but it's not bad. Um, you can find it on, on, it's called American Sport. And you can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and stuff. And we, I just had the first season and um, it's, it's the, the first season is about um, political tensions in American sports history. The Olympics make an appearance here and there. Um, but it's more focused on U.S. sport rather than, than global sport. So the American Sport Podcast. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, well, I'll definitely direct people people there. Um, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I, I knew this was going to be a fascinating discussion with some of the, the questions uh, that we would be that we'd be discussing. But yeah, it's been fun. And I hope this gives this gives people enough to think about and hopefully, you know, piques their interest to look more into the games of the past and the Tokyo games coming up. And especially, as you said, what's happening with the Beijing games. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been super fun. This concludes my conversation with Dr. Matt Andrews. Thanks for listening to the Games Podcast. The intro music is from Aaron Copeland's Fanfare for the Common Man. The sound effects, transitional music, and theme song are from zapsplat.com. If you have any questions or comments about this episode or any episode of the Games, feel free to reach out via the WordPress site, thegamespodcast.wordpress.com. You can also reach out on Instagram by searching at the Games Podcast and on Facebook by searching the Games Podcast. Bonus material is posted to Instagram and Facebook, so be sure to follow the Games Podcast while you're there. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could share it with your friends or leave a rating or review. It means a lot. Thanks for listening and see you next time.